1: Part of it, let's go back to sort of evolution. Part of the reason why we want to be with other people is because it feels safe for us. It was safer in the time of cavemen for us to be around other people because that was what saved our lives. And so when we experience the feeling of being alone, it feels very threatening.
2: Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie busson and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn about healthcare best practices in the new normal. We'll hear about host gifts to bring to cottages and decks. We'll discuss mindfulness and loneliness. And lastly, we'll do triage for the most common sports injuries. But first, a little bit of business. Jack Nathan Health offers Canadians convenient care with 74 multidisciplinary clinics located within Walmart stores. The largest ever Jack Nathan Health Medical Centre is now open in Vaughan, Ontario at 8300 Highway 27. The new 8,300-square-foot clinic offers integrated services for the whole family, including family medicine, physiotherapy, and chiropractic, chronic pain management, massage, and a registered dietitian. There's also an on-site Dynacare blood laboratory, plus same-day referrals, walk-in appointments, and a new annual health assessment option. Jack Nathan Health is a one-stop shop for proactive health management. For more information, visit jacknathanhealth.com. Our first guest, George Barakat, co-founded Jack Nathan Health in 2006, where he cultivated the company from a lean startup to a leader in Canadian health care, servicing over 2 million patients across Canada. George has helped shape a new healthcare format by improving access to quality primary care in state-of-the-art medical clinics in retail environments across the country. Today, George is an authority on healthcare and in business and has traveled extensively nationally and internationally building and sustaining important global relationships and partnerships. Welcome back to the show, sir. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you, Jamie, and thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure.
2: Yeah, it's great to have you back. You know what I'm excited about today, George? We've been talking about covid like for months now and a lot of it has been very sobering and we're talking about you know it creeps in but all the negative aspects you know the stress how it's affecting our emotional health etc etc but today we're going to do something a little bit different we're going to talk about how covid is actually shaping things going forward because i think we really need to focus on how to move forward would you agree
0: I agree, 100%. I mean, we're in this situation not by our own accord. We're past the point where we are going to make lemonade out of lemons. And I think what we have to do at this point is understand what our new normals are and not just coexist, but how we get through our workday and enjoy it. Because if this is the new normal, well, this is what we have to deal with. We've got to make sure that everybody, number one, is taken care of, and number two, that their livelihood is, is insured.
2: Right. Okay. So let's get into the nitty gritty. What are some of the key things that you're seeing as you know as new experiences that impact on your business at Jack Nathan?
0: Well, you know, I, I can speak about this on in two phases. One would be on the corporate side, and one would be on the clinic side. On the corporate side, really, what we're looking to do is reopen our head office. We haven't stopped. I mean, we've been full force on zooms and video conferencing and whatsapp and utilizing digital tools that we would never utilize in the past and they're very effective our head office has not closed and we've had teams go in at various times so there would be very little interaction but i think the key right now corporately is we need to eliminate exposures. so we've set up teams that would identify for those who are essential to run business and must required our sales operations and marketing will be on site on a need be basis we have put into effect mandatory masks while indoors proper ppe will be available to all employees splash guards shields, social distancing measures you know reminders everywhere about proper hand washing we've definitely enhanced our environmental cleaning inside our head office again meetings as limited in person as possible more video conference bridge And all kinds of signage that we're looking to post digitally on our screens around our head office to look at how to, you know, check yourself, really, and how to put on a mask properly, properly washing your hands and all of the items that, you know, I believe everybody is, is versed these days, but we don't want to take for granted. On the medical clinic side, it's, it's another story. I mean, yeah. A majority of our clinics, 99% have remained open through this development. We've had to, you know, put splash cards in places, social distancing, footprint measures, you know, hand sanitizer at almost every turn, block off seating so that you are literally meters apart from the next person. How we Triage a patient in advance, whether by phone or letting them in one at a time through the medical clinic waiting rooms. It's been challenging, but uh, at the end of the day, people need healthcare. Of course, we have to make sure that we're on the front lines.
2: How are you looking at the next phase as a business owner, and what sort of plans are you beginning to make around what you've termed the new norm? I guess so that's we're all looking at it. I don't know. What, I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's what we're calling it.
0: Yeah, and that's a great question. I mean, we have a uh, business as well called MassMed Media that we have a digital screen presence in every one of our medical clinics. As early as two weeks ago, we all met as a team and said, you know, we really could be doing the public a better service if we are constantly on a loop and we have more COVID education, how to properly put on a mask, hand sanitizing, social distance, how to treat staff as you walk into the medical clinic so they're not afraid to take care of your well-being or your loved one's well-being while in the clinic right you know we've been through this now for four and a half months there are tons of learnings in place that we now have to execute for right. lack of a better word
2: do you see i mean you can only speak to your own business but are you learning from those trials or I, and i won't say mistakes because nobody's making mistakes this is all new to everybody
0: but are, are you in place to implement what you've learned We have already. It's not a question of are we. The majority of our clinics already have these protocols in place for social distancing footprints to how to triage a patient correctly, hand sanitizer at every corner, and and blocking off actual seating arrangements. So we, we have definitely been active with regards to that. Relaying the message, though, so that it's on the screens and patients can understand it more from a visual aspect is where we're moving next.
2: Okay, so you're talking about communication, in other words, almost like prescriptive in terms of protocols and how to conduct yourself, yeah?
0: Absolutely, absolutely.
2: So what does that look like? What are you planning?
0: Again, a lot of that is going to be, well, with regards to where we are in in our situation with COVID, we can't put anything on paper or hand out flyers. Right. So everything has to be digital. So again, we're very fortunate that we have digital screens in every one of our clinics that we can not just relay the messaging, we can actually use it as an education tool. You know, again, how to properly put a mask on, how to properly social distance, and more importantly, how not to create any kind of fear in our medical staff's minds. Because, you know, look at it this way. Our clinics have remained open for the most part during COVID, and whether they've been reduced hours or utilizing telemedicine in some cases or pre-screening in the parking lots or doors, during phase three a lot of our operations are opening up, And we need to make sure that uh, the well-being of our clinic staff and physicians isn't jeopardized. They have families they have to go home to. And the only reason why you're you're going to a medical clinic is because you're not feeling well. Right. Or you have to see a physician for whatever. We understand this. Our physicians understand this. They are probably in the most precarious situation where the only reason why you're going to see someone at a medical clinic is because you need medical attention you're not feeling well so for them they've got to be very careful and what we want to do is just really relay the message digitally to the patients coming in look please be respectful of the protocols
2: right so what you're looking at now is you're talking about social convention now right like it's all about it isn't all about but it's all about The collective now, right? I mean, in the States, I think what we're seeing is, you know, it's been politicized to the point where it's become somehow a personal right to wear a mask or not wear a mask. To me, that's lunacy. But I think as Canadians, I think we're more receptive to this idea of a collective greater good and and perhaps sacrificing a bit or changing the way you're doing things in order to protect everybody. But I, I guess the message still needs to be hammered
0: home. Yeah. It really does. And you know what? I think you hit the nail right on the head. As Canadians, we understand and we can see the effectiveness of our practices and social distancing. Yeah, we're going to have flare-ups here and there, but for the most part, we're very reactive. If, you know, a flare-up happens, we know uh, mask has to go on, eliminate crowds. And for the most part, I mean, there are definitely exceptions to the rules, and we've seen them in the uh, media on certain individuals yeah. that still can't refrain from having 200 people parties, but that that's yeah. not the norm. Yeah, no, of course not. You know, and there's a definite distinction between how we're handling this in Canada to how they're handling it in the U.S. from a personal standpoint. I think we've become very effective, as you can see, numbers and cases are dropping. So let's talk about...
2: You know, we're patting ourselves on the back, but I think as Canadians, we deserve it. But let's talk about the future and future practices. So what do you envision based on what you've seen as what the best practices are going to look like in your clinical
0: environment? Going forward, what we want to do is we want to give patients options, but as equally as important, we want to give physicians options as well. Mm-hmm. So part of our expansion and growth Uh, model for it as we introduced a digital virtual health strategy. It's been very effective as an option for you to see a physician virtually by just logging on to jacknathanhealth.com or at walmart.ca in their health section, health tab, where you can literally just click on uh, I'd like to see a physician or schedule a time and you can have a video or phone interaction virtually instantly. Mm -hmm. That has been very effective. So that's a definite option. Now, as we open up phase three, people are getting a little more comfortable with shopping, putting on a mask. And again, equally as important, we want to establish protocols within the clinics that have our physicians' safety in mind. As they are first responders and frontline businesses, we have to make sure that they're not affected from a business standpoint and equally from a health standpoint. So they're not going home thinking that they could be jeopardizing their own family because that, that's going to do uh, society no good mm-hmm. you know, as a whole.
2: So what are you seeing? What are the challenges? What are the headwinds moving forward?
0: Well, the challenges really are going to be, how do we parlay that optional strategy for a patient into how we now put a greater emphasis on digitizing healthcare. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the other programs we put into place was a partnership with uh, prescribe it which is a Health Canada initiative where you now can have a prescription virtually sent to your pharmacist and in some cases delivered right to your home. Yep. Now the challenge is going to be how do we connect all those pieces? Where you have an option to see a doctor virtually, how do you take care of a loved one at home virtually? How does that uh, the delivery of a pharmaceutical or a over-the-counter item, or even having uh, groceries delivered to you. Sure. How does that all intersect? So that you and your loved ones that are on a healthcare journey—they want to see a physician, and what are the next steps? Mm-hmm. Where does it go from there? Well, it has to be more of an ecosystem. What do you mean by that? Where the conversation shouldn't just stop at seeing your doctor. You have to have further options on how to get delivery of your. Goods, services, pharmaceuticals, and more importantly, referrals. What yep. are the next steps? You know, taking care of yourself from a health standpoint or a loved one that needs medical attention and more importantly needs to understand the follow ups. And in our instance, in our case, the follow ups aren't just a referral for a prescription. It could be how do we change your diet? Right. How do you now improve your lifestyle? Yep. All of that has to be taken into account especially especially now with the new COVID protocols.
2: Yep. So what are your partners telling you? Are they on board with this notion of the ecosystem?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've had several meetings with our retail partner, Walmart, moving forward and how that may look in the future. Everybody really is concerned with, you know, if there's another wave, Yep. if there is a resurgence. And there very well might be, and again, I'm, don't quote me on this, but we're heading into the Winter months, flu season, and whatnot. So the odds are uh, greater that we could be encountering this second wave. Mm -hmm. We have to position ourselves today so that not just protocols are in place, but we close the loop or complete the loop on the ecosystem digitally. We can't be in the same circumstances where we're caught. Yeah, can't be flat-footed. What's the next? Yeah. What's the next step? You can see, you know, memory's not too short-lived, where we can just remember. As uh, COVID hit, you couldn't get certain supplies like toilet paper, paper towels, wet wipes, hand sanitizer. All of that has to be taken into account, stocked, and ready. That's from a product standpoint. But more importantly, on closing that digital loop, how do we now take care of a loved one where they can have the medical attention, the referrals, the follow-up that they deserve, need, and can't live without? So really right now, we have a limited time to get all of these initiatives in action, but we're definitely moving at breakneck speed so that if there is another flare up in September, October, November, Jack Nathan Health is going to be ready because ultimately our focus is, and it never has changed, we're here to help you live your best life.
2: Well, that's uh, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's really interesting to hear how corporate Canada is dealing with these large issues. We hope to hear from you again soon.
0: Well, thanks, Jamie. And uh, it is my pleasure as always. Uh, I look forward to being on your show again in the near future.
2: Fantastic. That was George Barakat. We have to take a short break, but we will be right back on The Tonic. St. Francis Herb Farm is a leading herbal company that is 100% Canadian owned and family run in the Ottawa Valley for over 30 years. St. Francis Herb Farm is obsessed with plant medicine. Their holistic approach includes only certified organic and well-crafted herbs. Processes learned over decades get the most out of the herbs, and leveraging science ensures the highest quality. The foundation for their well-made plant medicine. St. Francis Herb Farm is well-known and trusted for their wildly popular Deep Immune that can help you fend off flus and colds, as well as a full range of natural health and wellness products for the whole family. To learn more, visit stfranciserbfarm.com or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens.
0: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Carolyn Tanner-Cohen
2: is the owner and founder of Delicious Dish Cooking School in Toronto. She's been teaching cooking classes for over 17 years. She has a science background which edifies her interest in health and fueling the body with foods that will optimize health. Carolyn teaches people how to meal plan, eat healthy, cook with natural whole foods, and organize their kitchen. She teaches new cooks, seasoned cooks, university students who are living on their own for the first time, nannies, housekeepers, and everyone in between. For more information about Carolyn, visit deliciousdish.ca. Welcome back to the show. How are you? Fine.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Jamie. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. You know, we've been saying this for months. It's interesting times, but you know, I wouldn't say there's light at the end of the tunnel per se. I think that's actually too negative. Things are getting back to what is the new normal and that means, you know, the bubbles increasing, people are trying to get together. Maybe, yeah. they, maybe you're visiting a cottage, maybe you're visiting somebody's backyard and I'm hoping people remember the etiquette, right? Like you don't just so. you don't just show up with your thumb in your bum, right?
3: Right, for sure. Or even yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot that we could do about that.
2: So if you're invited to somebody's house or somebody's cottage, yeah. You know, and you want to bring something like my go to is a bottle of wine. I find out, you know, what they're cooking. Is it poultry or fish or is it meat? And then from there, I'll decide what wine to bring, a fun wine or a serious wine. But there are other options. Yeah.
3: There's tons of options, and I'm finding lately, you know, we're cooking so much at home, yeah. And let's call it entertaining. It may not necessarily be entertaining, but when we're visiting with friends, you know, it's gone are the days where we would just go, let's meet up at this restaurant or this or that restaurant, yeah. Especially when you're having more than four to six people, because you can't do that yet outside, even yep. at a restaurant. So I find that people are doing a lot more backyard entertainments or cottage entertainments or even, you know, having people to their porch in their condo. Mm-hmm. So because we're cooking all week, it is a job for the host or hostess to have you and to have this little get together. But we want to do it anyway. So there are ways that we could help out as opposed to bringing a bottle of wine, which is helpful, but not necessarily all that helpful.
2: Well, okay, I mean, it's now, nice, it's but, nice. But, they, but they could just as easily have a bottle of wine or go get one. It's not really, right. you're not making it easier for them to host. You're not
3: making it easier. You're making it more economical. Right. Because a bottle of wine, especially a nice bottle of wine, could cost you a little bit. And it's nice to bring a little bottle of wine for sure just to, you know, increase their liquor cabinet or their wine cellar. It is nice. But there's other ways of doing things. Before we get into this, Jamie, the one thing I dislike, because I entertain all the time. And when people call me up, and I love having people, but when people call me up and say, what can I bring? I'm not going to tell them, you know, take care of a course or take care of the meal or whatever it might be. I'm just going to say whatever you're comfortable with or bring dessert or just bring a bottle of really? wine.
2: Okay. So I guess like when people ask you that question, do you feel like they don't really want to bring something? Is that why they're well, asking it? Like if they okay, had something so, in mind, they would just bring it? Or like,
3: well, I think it's twofold. First of all, because I entertain so much, when I get invited over to someone's house, I ask, what can I bring with my fingers crossed, hoping they say nothing. (laughs) That's full disclosure because I really want the night off. Having said that, if I'm going to someone's cottage for the day or for the night, okay? Mm -hmm. So going back to your, your question about do you think they really want to bring something? Generally, no. Do they want to bring food? Generally, no. Okay, I don't think they do, especially if you're a great entertainer and you're a great cook. Some people may feel intimidated. Also, what they might want to bring may not go with your menu.
2: Well, that's just it though, right? I mean, yeah. like sometimes you're having a we would have dinner clubs where everybody was responsible to bring a certain course, like it was yeah. planned out that way, or you know ahead of time that you're doing a potluck and you know the host's job is to organize the meal and allocate, you know, responsibilities to people and that usually yeah. happens with family get-togethers. But, you know, if I'm invited over to somebody's house, unless they're telling me that they want me to make something, and the worst job is cutting the fruit. People don't realize that it's the worst.
3: Worst. Well, uh, we can touch on that actually. Yeah. I have a tip if somebody for that. if
2: somebody tells you bring the fruit, it's like yeah. f, what they're really saying is f you. Um, they
3: are saying f you, but I have a great thing to do when someone says bring the fruit. Just bring a big bowl of strawberries washed. Okay. Because why bring up unripe melon and unripe pineapple uh,
2: and such a get disaster. a fruit
3: platter? I hate that.
2: By the way, I, I am an yeah. expert fruit plate architect. Mine are beautiful. Oh. If, well, some, okay. if somebody gives me the fu, I turn it around. Well, I, I turn a frown nice upside down. I'm really good.
3: <laughs> that's very kind of you. Okay, I'm going to give you a few things that I like to do when okay. I go to someone's house for the day. Like, let's say I was invited nice enough if someone invites me to the cottage for the day. And these are things that I've done recently, right? So... If I'm able, if I'm close enough with the person, what I could say is, let me take care of the cocktail hour. And I don't mean the alcohol. Yeah. I mean the baguette, the goat cheese, maybe the charcuterie, etc. So let me take care of the whole thing. Right. And then you do the dinner, you do the lunch, or let's say we're sleeping over, you do the breakfast. Or let me take care of the breakfast. So you're actually taking the whole meal as opposed to trying to piece yourself in or fit yourself into yeah. the meal that they've already created.
2: That's more relevant for cottage. Like I remember the yes. last time we went up to somebody's cottage, I actually offered to smoke a turkey breast, which meant that I had to bring it up brined. It was a huge production. And, be- and because I was smoking it, it was also many, many hours in front of the barbecue. It was an error in judgment. But You but,
3: actually stood there on their barbecue and did that? Correct. Oh my God. Goodness, okay, but you never, you've
2: never had that. my smoked turkey before, so no.
3: But I'm waiting to be invited for that, and when I do get invited for that, I'm yeah. You're bringing a the fruit out. plate, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> I'm not an architect in any way. Okay, so the other idea is, let's say they tell you, okay, I'm making cedar plank salmon, or I'm making a charcuterie board, or I'm yeah. making whatever it might be. You could bring up the cedar planks. Mm -hmm. Or you could bring up a beautiful board, or one of my favorite gifts I got last summer, this is pre-COVID, but it's irrelevant about Mm. that, is a Himalayan salt board. So I don't know if you've ever had one of those, but it's a big block of Himalayan salt. Okay, So this is going to be a really easy gift, because they're not very expensive, and it's a great gift. So it's a big block of Himalayan salt. They could be heated on the barbecue. They could be put into the freezer. You could use it room temp. What I love doing is if someone invites me even for dinner, I'll bring the Himalayan salt board and something to put on the salt board. So I'll ask in advance. So what do
2: you put put on the salt board?
3: Well, so last week I put shrimp on the salt board. So I brought up a small bag of large shrimp, like the really big ones. Yep. And which are very expensive in their own right. So that's a beautiful gift, just the shrimp alone, with a nice little cocktail sauce sure. and the salt board. Okay?
2: okay. So let me ask you a quick question about the salt board. Yeah. It's reusable as a, as yes, a vessel, totally. but isn't, isn't salt porous? Like, doesn't the food get in? There? Like, how do you clean it?
3: But it cleans itself. It's salt.
2: Well, but so you So thought... you
3: wipe it down. Okay, No, yeah. no, it's totally reusable. You wipe it down. I give it a little rinse, especially if I've had some shrimp on it. Yeah. And you store it, you know, in your cupboards, or you, I like to actually store it in the freezer. If you have freezer space, I keep it in the freezer, because I most often use it with shrimp, so I'll put the shrimp directly on it, and it infuses a delicious flavor into the shrimp, because it's salt. Right, you just scrape off the top just by rubbing it with. I rub it with like a clean sponge, okay. And then you give it a little rinse. The other thing that I've done with the salt board, which is lovely to do, is you could use it on the barbecue. You know how you make like a chicken under a brick? Yep. So you use a salt board. And it's very thick, it's the size of a brick. So you use the salt board as the brick, okay? So you can heat this salt board up to like 400 and 500 degrees. It says right on there, but, and you put the chicken, the flattened chicken down, like let's say you marinate the chicken so or So spa-
2: you're spatchcocking a chicken? Yes,
3: you're spatchcocked chicken, And you put the salt block down on the chicken, on the raw side of the chicken, and it weighs the uh, chicken down on the barbecue. And it flattens it up and grills it really nicely. And then you flip it over. I give it a little wipe before I flip it over, the chicken over, and then you do the same for the second side. And then if you want to disinfect it after, you could leave it on the hot grill for a second or a minute or two. And then you disinfect it. So what a nice gift to do also, as well, is to bring up the raw, Spatchcock chicken, yeah. pre marinated. You can marinate it yourself, or you could just go to uh, a butcher, and in the summer, they have loads of pre marinated spatchcock chickens. You bring the saltboard, you bring the spatchcock chicken, and you throw it on their barbecue, or they throw it on their barbecue, but let your host know that you're bringing. The chicken, you don't oh, yeah. have to tell him or her. No,
2: you don't bring a main course without letting people know. That's no for
3: sure. course, but it's a very nice thing to do. But you could even do like chicken wings like that, or sure. you could do anything on the barbecue like that. So that's a lovely, lovely gift as by, well. By the
2: way, for those people who don't cook, spatchcocking is when you cut the backbone out of the chicken and then you press it down so it flattens. And the thing with when you're cooking a whole chicken, unless you're roasting it, it's very hard to get it evenly cooked. With a spatchcock, it cuts the cooking time down and it means that it's evenly cooked. And it's like three minutes of butchering if you have some scissors. So. Oh,
3: but a lot of butchers have it pre-marinated. Or yeah, and yeah I like I don't trust
2: that. I, I prefer rubs in my own
3: stuff. But yes, I, I agree. So on that, mm-hmm. a very nice hostess gift is bringing a spice rub, whether you make it yourself or you buy it, yep. bringing like two or three spice rubs that you buy from the store, wrap them very pretty. And that's a lovely, lovely gift. One of my favorite gifts is just a box of Malden salt, flake yep. sea salt, or even a beautiful fleur to sell with a nice bottle of olive oil yep. or a bottle of balsamic vinegar.
2: You that's- know, all those are fantastic gifts if the host is a foodie, right? If they yeah. actually know what to do with it. But what if it's just some- somebody who isn't necessarily food literate or, you know, just isn't into cooking like that and you want to bring up a salad, what's your go-to?
3: So I want to bring up a regular green, a regular salad? Or just something
2: special, like you're bringing a dish up.
3: Okay, so first of all, I like to bring the bowl. Yep. And I like to leave them the bowl. And you don't need to bring an expensive bowl. Right. You really can go to uh, different kinds of stores here in Toronto or wherever you might live And go to the cheaper stores that might have very pretty housewares. You could definitely bring up a bowl. What I like to do is I'll bring up a few different simple salads, and it's depending on the weather. So if you're in peach season or tomato season, tomatoes, burrata, a little bit of basil, a nice salt, and a bottle of balsamic vinegar, and your salad is made with five ingredients. That's one of my favorite things to bring.
2: Well, that sounds good. You know, when you come over for the smoked turkey, I'm not going to make you bring the fruit plate. You're bringing the salad.
3: That's I love that. Can't wait.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Next month, we're going to discuss hosting for vegetarians, right? Yes. Fantastic. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss mindfulness and loneliness on The Tonic. Are you stressed out? Feel exhausted? Having trouble sleeping? New Roots Herbal offers natural supplements to help take the edge off, relax, and sleep better. Discover de-stress, chill pills, and sleep aid from New Roots Herbal. Natural ingredients and guaranteed purity for a better day and a restful night. Find these and other New Roots Herbal products exclusively at quality health food stores. For more information, visit newrootsherbal.com. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com.
1: You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio.
2: Tracy Sagrati has an eclectic background in molecular biology, psychology, and nursing. She practices psychotherapy and yoga therapy and has over 20 years experience in leading classes, workshops, and events. She believes that the tools of mindfulness pave the way for a deeply meaningful life at any stage. You can find her at sogratiyoga.com, Yoga SograttiYoga on Facebook, or at Tracy Sograti on Instagram. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm great, Jamie. Thanks so much for having me, especially in light of what we're talking about.
2: Today. Yeah, you know, I've been focusing in on this the last uh, month or so. I, you know, I've we've done enough about COVID and being well and getting immunity up and all that stuff, but I am more concerned about the collateral effects of, of what we've been going through. And I think there's a lot of people out there suffering.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is a lot of people out there suffering, and you know, I'm sure you're in media, so you've heard that some people are saying that loneliness is an ep-
2: now. Yep, I believe it. You know, like now those who who maybe have been isolated for other reasons, now there's an overbearing reason why they're isolated and it can't be good. Yeah. But, you know, people don't necessarily recognize everybody as being capable of being lonely. You know, the thought is, oh, but there's so many people around. How could you, you know, in a city like Toronto, how could you possibly be lonely? Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of, for me, that begs the question, I mean, can people be lonely when they're around people? You know, what exactly is loneliness? And so one thing I like to do, especially when I'm working with clients, is distinguish between what it means to feel alone, which is actually loneliness, versus being alone, which is social isolation. And you can have one or the other, or you can have both at the same time. Yes. And so I think in our current context, in the context of COVID, we had a long period of social isolation in which people might have started to also experience loneliness. Right. Right. Instead of just the social isolation. But you can have loneliness even when you're around people.
2: Yeah. I mean, I suffer from that. Right. I have friends and I have family and I'm constantly, you know, going out to work and recording. But sometimes, you know, it kind of feels like you're on your own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was actually wondering if that was kind of what brought this conversation to light with you. I was curious going into it. Um, You know, a place that we can go with this is to really look at the neuroscience of loneliness. Mm hmm. And one of the things that studies have shown us is that those who experience loneliness, it's, it's like, well, part of it, let's go back to sort of evolution. Part of the reason why we want to be with other people is because it feels safe for us. Yep. It was safer in the time of cavemen for us to be around other people because that was what saved our lives. And so when we experience the feeling of being alone, it feels very threatening. Yeah. And so, what neuroscience shows us is that when when we experience loneliness and we, when we've got that experience over time, it kind of shifts our brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the way it shifts our brain is such that we become very hypervigilant. And when I say hypervigilant, I, I, I want you to picture kind of tracking your environment, uh, mm-hmm. especially for those people who are listening. When we're hypervigilant, we're tracking facial expressions, we're tracking tone of voice.
2: We're, we're looking for threats. I mean, I do that all the time. I am yes. con- I'm constantly constantly looking around, making sure that there's no danger. And Naomi and I will go for a walk and I'll see somebody up who looks menacing and I'll sort of like walk in front of her. And she's not even aware that I'm doing it, but I'm yeah. always looking for it. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. You're trying to protect her. Yeah. yeah. So this is so much insight. I love you, man. I love you. This is great <laughs> insights. Yeah. And, and so the brain, so your brain has kind of adapted, right? Yep. To perceive threat in the world. And what happens, what studies have shown is that that loneliness starts to be reinforced because your brain, which is already perceiving threats, starts to contribute to your behavior, Mm -hmm. right? So your cognitive process starts to contribute to your behavior so that it provokes uh, certain things like, for example, say you walking in front of your wife. Mm-hmm. Right? You're walking down the street, there's a person walking, you're perceiving this person is threatening and so you kind of block off that person from looking at her. That might be perceived by the other person as maybe being a bit threatening in and of itself.
2: And that right? is and that is the purpose. But yes, your behavior becomes such that you're not welcoming anymore, right? Like
1: Exactly. You, yeah. Exactly. And so it creates this situation where there's these now these social relationship challenges. Yep. Right? So the person who feels lonely starts to go into situations, they're hypervigilant, scanning the environment, they perceive threat, and so they start to act in a way that's either defensive, right? Which is exactly the behavior that you just described with your wife as defensive. Or even antagonistic or conversely, they start to actually avoid going into the situation at all.
2: And that's my concern with people who are being socially isolated, that it's it's becoming much easier to sort of turtle. And, and, And I mean that like, you know, not literally, but figuratively, you're in your own shell. Right. It's just
1: easier. Yeah. It's just easier. You know? yeah, it's, just easier. It's, a, it's an avoidance tactic. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about my kids. We were walking down the street and my son, uh, we were, we walked by somebody and, you know, they're used to me chiming and saying social distancing, social distancing. And, yeah. and he gave the person we were passing, he get like scowled like ferociously scowled at the person just for walking by us. And I thought, oh, my goodness, he's going into a defensive behavior. And and actually, it's antagonistic because of that social isolation. But that, to me, in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, this is predicting loneliness in the future because we're going to lose our ability to engage socially when we are behaving that way. And so I think, yeah, I think this is a really important thing to address.
2: All right. So I think to decide how we're going to deal with it, I think we first have to figure out, you know, how do we know if we're lonely? Does it manifest?
1: Like yeah, that? yeah, absolutely. And there are a few, I mean, there, there are loneliness skills that you can look up on the internet, but there are just a few key questions you can ask yourself. And, and one of them is how often do you feel sort of in tune with the people around you? Mm-hmm. Next, how often do you feel like you have a lot in common with the people around you? Because so often we're around people, but we feel like an outsider and it's because we're perceiving them as threatening. Mm-hmm. How often do you feel that there are people who really really understand you in your life? And how often do you feel left out? And so you can sort of ask yourself those questions. And if you come up with, you know, pretty often for all of those things, you can get a sense that you might be feeling lonely. And then you can start to explore with mindfulness how you can start to re engage in social interaction that feels actually quite safe
2: okay, so let 's talk about that
1: yeah, so you know the question is okay well can mindfulness is mindfulness helpful for everything and, and in this case, again, there is evidence to show that mindfulness is really effective with both loneliness and social isolation, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And what they looked at is, okay, what are the key things that impact loneliness? And they found that, okay, first monitoring your environment, which is part of mindfulness. So it's Mm -hmm. about really coming into the present moment, watch the thoughts, watch the breath, watch sensation, and start to approach yourself first. Not the other people, but yourself with openness equanimity, which just means like an Mm open-mindedness, and curiosity, right? So start to get curious about the kinds of thoughts that you're having, like you walking down the street. Get curious about why you perceive that person as threatening. What's that about in you, not Mm -hmm. in the other person?
2: Yeah, that's for another show, but anyways, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then the second piece is to really come to a place where you're accepting your experience in that moment Mm -hmm. without creating any kind of a story about it. So your experience in that moment is not necessarily that the other person is threatening, but actually that you're afraid. Of course, yeah. Right? You're afraid. And so you start to name it that you're afraid and to start to feel the sensations that you're having in your body, which in that case was a whole lot of bracing. And as you feel that fear coursing through you, you can start to relax your resistance and intolerance to that whole experience. And then by doing that, you stop creating a story about it. And the story that you're creating is that that other person is threatening. Right. Does that make sense?
2: No, it does make sense. And and I know what I was doing when I was doing it. I was just sort of giving you a tangible example. Yeah. Like, I don't walk around looking for trouble. I don't perceive Mm -hmm. threat at every corner. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I see it, right? I'm looking Mm -hmm. for it. When you're looking yeah. for it, you find it, right? I mean, yeah,
1: absolutely. Well, and the more that you can be gentle with yourself, the more that that's going to translate into mm-hmm. a curiosity and an openness with the other person. So, what you want to do is then take those skills and, and ask the question: Okay, well, how can this help me connect to other people? Right. And as you're more empathetic, more self-compassionate towards yourself, less judgmental, less neurotic towards yourself, you start to foster that ability to be with yourself through a whole cascade of emotions, positive and negative. And that extends out when you look at other people, instead of you looking at that other person and sort of seeing them as threatening, there's more of a curiosity there. I mean sometimes people are walking down the street with a scowl on their face. Well actually I would say most of the time because of what's happening in their own heads. Yep. It has nothing to do with what's going on around them. It's they're thinking about their day. They're not present to even walking down the street. And yet we're taking it personally and interpreting their behavior to mean something about ourselves. And once we can get curious with ourselves, we start to extrapolate that out and recognize that, oh, well, you know, everybody's the star of their own show.
2: hundred percent. I believe that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's the star of their own show. So that person might be walking down the street with that look on their face 90% of the time thinking about, you know, the experience that they had this morning. And it really has nothing to do with me. And that air of curiosity just gives you a bit of, it's decentering. It gives you a bit of distance between that story you're telling yourself about the person and the situation.
2: So that's dealing with the threat. So, how would the mindfulness help you sort of get out in the world in a positive way?
1: Yeah. So, what it can do is allow you to go into social situations and help with social anxiety. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so much of the issue with interpersonal relationships is that we go into a social situation and instead of being present to what's actually happening, we've got a picture in our head about what people think of us. Mm-hmm. And so we do that thing that you mentioned earlier, which is we kind of turtle, okay? And when we can be present to what's actually happening, then we're not thinking about what the other person thinks of us, and that what it does is it just kind of cuts through social anxiety, and it allows us to reach out more or to go into social situations more. So I'll give you an example. In that research that I talked about with mindfulness, what they found is that people who went through this, it was just a two-week intervention, so short, they actually increased their social interactions by an average of two additional social interactions per day. Hmm just by going through this monitor and acceptance experience just for two weeks, right? So just practicing monitoring and accepting where they were at, it allowed them to engage socially on average two more interactions per day.
2: That's certainly something.
1: Yeah, I think it's huge. I think it's huge.
2: Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show today and dealing with this very sensitive topic. Next month, we're going to discuss mindfulness, middle age, and self-actualization.
1: I can't
2: wait. Me too. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we're going to do sports injury triage on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of The Tonic Talk Show, I'm also the publisher of Tonic Magazine. Tonic is a health and wellness magazine distributed with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in the most affluent neighborhoods in Toronto. It's also available free on racks at over 150 locations across the GTA. For more information about Tonic Magazine, visit tonictoronto.com. Hey, if you like the Tonic talk show, you'll love Tonic Magazine, and vice versa. This
0: is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
2: Stacey Irvine is the co-founder of Totem Life Science. Through her work as a chiropractor and strength and conditioning specialist, Dr. Irvine's clientele ranges from beginners just starting out on an exercise program to elite and professional athletes looking for advanced rehabilitation and training program strategies she's made several appearances as a fitness expert on CityLine, Canada AM, Global Television Network, City TV, WTN, and is frequently quoted as a fitness expert in Shadowling, Glow Magazine, Moore Magazine, Zoomer, and the Toronto Star. And she's a regular here at The Tonic. Welcome back to the show.
4: Great to be here.
2: So real quick intro, everybody's exercising because they need to because of everything that's been going on the past months. And that means people are hurting themselves. So I thought it would be helpful if we just went through some of the common injuries and you can help us triage them and you know importance how do we deal with them what do you do when do you need to seek professional help okay
4: I love this idea and I also love that like yourself I'm seeing a lot of people out and about doing things and I can kind of tell by how they're doing them that they're trying new things yeah. which is fantastic however at the clinic we are seeing more injuries as a result of this. Yep. So yeah, this is a great idea. And we just need to know how to be smart and adapt to our new environment, basically.
2: Okay, so this one has to be at the top of everybody's list. It happens to everybody. Twisted ankle.
4: Super common, the most common one. And especially right now, we do see this one um, much more in you know spring, summer, fall. Yep. So it really depends on the severity. So you twist your ankle and then you have to kind of assess what now. The first thing that I really like people to do is take a moment, maybe you have your phone with you or something like that, really check your environment because when you come to therapy, you pretty much always have to do therapy with this one, it really helps us to understand how the injury happened. And once we know how it happened, we can do a much better job of treating this injury. So your number one thing is just take a moment, even if you have your phone, take some pictures, You know, and then when you come in, you can say, okay, I fell off this way and this happened to my foot. That's going to really help us determine is it a mild sprain, is it a severe sprain, is it a fracture, and then it gives us a lot more information to go by. Now, what should you do? I would say with this one, you don't need to go to eMERGE. You should probably get home from wherever you are. But if it's not a bad sprain, like, it's okay to walk. You don't have to, you know, call and say, I have to get a ride and all those things. You're you're probably not stranded. You're probably not running home. You might want to just walk home, get some ice on it, elevate it, make sure you're protecting it, and then as soon as you can, get in to see physiotherapist, chiropractor, and if it does happen to be a fracture, if it's getting worse, that person will know what to do. And generally, we're treating sprains and fractures in a similar way in that you're going into a boot. So a bad sprain sometimes requires the boot, and also a fracture now requires a boot. So it's not usually like, because if you go to a merge, you're going to be sitting there generally for many hours yep. because you're not urgent. And yep. you can skip that. And in general, you can get better care.
2: Good advice. All right. Here's one that's important to me because I've been doing a lot more rowing and that is back pain.
4: Yeah, again, one of the most common ones. So eight out of 10 people at some point in their life will experience back pain. So it's a big issue and it does cause a lot of, you know, missed days of work and a lot of discomfort for a lot of people. So it's an important one. And now that we are sitting and working from home a lot, I'm noticing that this one is getting worse. Yep. Because our desks at home sometimes aren't ergonomically designed for long hours at work.
2: Or you're working at a kitchen table that isn't the right height. Or you're sitting at a kitchen chair instead of an erg chair,
4: right? Exactly. That is a big problem with back pain. And we're seeing a lot more of it. Now, back pain is a tricky one. It really depends on what you want to think about is how did this happen? Why did this happen? And does it make sense? Yep. Because there are some other what we call comorbidity or differential diagnosis with back pain that can be very serious and we don't want to miss them. But those come on without a reason. So I'll give you an example. An abdominal aortic aneurysm will feel like back pain and that's what the patient will come in with. And then we have to go back through the history. You know, what did you do? Right. Do you remember bending over and picking something up? So when we have those situations where we understand the reason and then we treat the injury and the injury is getting better, you are totally good in that environment that you're in. So, again, whether it's your chiropractor, your physiotherapist, your massage therapist, whoever is, or even your GP, whoever is helping you out with it, if you have a reason... And then you work on a plan and you're getting better, that's fantastic. The key with back pain is strengthening your core. All treatments have to eventually lead to that because that is the only thing that's going to prevent it next time from happening. However, if your back pain, first of all, if it's excruciating, like to the point where you are having trouble eating or you're having trouble going to the bathroom and you just can't do your, you know, the functions of daily living, that is when we say, okay, we're going to have to get you probably to an emerge to see someone because there's probably something more serious going on. It yeah, could, it's
2: not muscular. It's it's yeah, it's in the yeah. bones. Yeah, it yep. could
4: be a disc herniation yep. or you know something neurological. But we want to make sure that we don't miss those things. So when we see a progression of low back pain that doesn't make sense or that isn't going in the way we expect, then you will need a referral to somewhere else and generally when the pain is excruciating, it's generally to emerge and from there you'll go on to see a neurologist. Okay.
2: All right. So let's dial it back a bit. Now, I don't play racket sports much anymore, but tennis elbow is a biggie, right?
4: Tennis elbow is a big one. And so tennis elbow is the one that's on the outside of your elbow. And then we have the other common one is golfer's elbow that's on the inside. So theoretically, tennis elbow comes from repeated, you know, we often say backhand where you're reaching out and the racket is way far away from you. And there's just too much stress coming through that lateral side of your elbow golfer's elbow is when you're hitting the ground regularly with the club and that is vibrating up through the inside. So they're very similar injuries. They are not an emergency by any means and you know they're nothing to stress about. Now that being said they can get very painful. I've Mm -hmm. had patients say I can't even pick up my cup of coffee in the morning. It hurts that much. So don't be alarmed by that. It's your body sending you a very strong signal that you've injured yourself. Okay, but these are not life-threatening injuries. So what do we do about them? I find that the braces and the sleeves can be very helpful. They are usually related to a problem in volume. So you've played, you know, three tennis games in a row, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: or you've, you know, done 36 holes of golf, something like that, and then all of a sudden you're in really bad shape. So you have some options. You can take some time off and you can ice and rest and maybe go in for treatment if that's an option. And then when you go back in, you really have to ease back in. And there's tons of great strengthening exercises and things to do for these injuries. It generally means that you just did too much too soon. And if you have a golf pro or a tennis pro, they see these injuries all the time. So you could definitely ask them because sometimes with tennis, it could be an adjustment, getting a different type of racket, or it could even... Or
2: a two-handed backhand may be the way to go. A
4: two-handed backhand, or I always joke with my patients, I'm like, move your body. Yep. Don't just reach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that can be very helpful too. So the first person I would talk to with these is the person who's coaching you in these, you know, in these events. And then, you know, move on from there if it keeps bugging you. But these are not they don't require, you know, an emergency type situation at all.
2: Okay, so the next one I want to talk about, it seems odd because you think of yoga as being helpful and, you know, lengthening your muscles, but there's such a thing as yoga
4: wrist. This is a really interesting one and it really comes down to a similar idea to what we talked about with tennis elbow and and all that is that people are trying to do too many things that are too difficult before they're ready. Yoga wrist is a result of too much stress coming through your wrist and you're just not giving your body the chance to handle it. So if you picture a handstand, so everybody in yoga, they they love to do handstands. Handstands usually happen at the end of the class, and you Mm -hmm. can do them up the wall and all that type of thing. But if you're not used to doing handstands and you've spent, you know, Eight hours of your day typing at a computer, meaning that your wrists are stiff and they're tired, and then all of a sudden you try to go into a handstand, you might not even have the range of motion to do a handstand. And when I say the range of motion, that means that you have to be able to lift your hand up by your ear, and you should be able to flex your wrist to 90 degrees, because that's the position you're forcing it into in a handstand.
2: Yeah, and you're putting weight on it.
4: And then on top of that, you're adding the weight. Many, many, many people, I'd say the majority, do not have that range of motion. Yep. And then they force themselves into a handstand, and then they wonder, oh, geez, my wrist really hurts. I don't know why they hurt, because I'm just doing a handstand. But you forget that a lot, all the pressure's coming down through your wrist. So you need to work on your shoulder flexibility. You need to work on your wrist flexibility and your strength. And this one really comes down to volume again. So... Not trying to do it every day, because if you do it every day, you're just going to keep irritating that injury. So you might do yoga one day, and then you might take two days off And then do it another day and really watch the dosage on your wrist. And, again, a very good instructor can help you because so many of the positions can be modified. So, for example, planks, you can do them from your elbows. You can do a lot of the poses using your elbows. Or, you know, when people are doing handstands, you can hopefully just lie in child's pose. That's what I like to
3: do.
2: (laughs) You know, I couldn't for for a while. And this is like, I couldn't even do child pose properly. Naomi would look at me and say, like, why is your bum up in the air? Like, what's the matter with you? You can't even do child's pose. And so, but you know, a good yoga instructor can stack you properly. So you're not putting all the weight into your wrists. You know, some of it's going through your shoulders and that allows you to sort of take some of the pressure off.
4: Mm -hmm. Be kind to your body, too. To me, yoga is all about that. You're going there to kind of get some recovery work done. You're working on your breathing. There's lots of great things that you can do in a yoga class. You don't have to, you know, look at the best person in the class and say, okay, I'm going to do that
2: yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> because that's when you get into
2: trouble. So we're out of time, but I'd like you to come back next month and, and let's finish off the list of sports injuries because I think there are other ones out there. Will you come back next month and
4: do that? I would love to do that. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks to all my wonderful guests, George Barakat, Carolyn Tanner-Cohen, Tracy Sograti, and Dr. Stacy Irvine. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can follow us at The Tonic Talk Show on Instagram or Facebook. For great articles by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. During COVID-19, we're suspending distribution of the magazine, but guess what? Tonic will be back with the September-October issue, available free on racks at over 200 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in 11 choice neighbourhoods in Toronto. Or you can visit our website at tonictoronto.com. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can email me at jamie at and I'm very happy that you guys are taking me up on that. Next week on the show, we'll discuss wear and tear injuries, mattress cushioning, and other health and wellness topics. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy
0: and happy week. Please consult a healthcare professional before starting any diet, exercise, supplementation, or medication program. This has been a paid announcement. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.